Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. This is Dr. Grande. Today's question is, can I analyze the testimony of Dr. Shannon Curry, who was called as a witness in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial? Just a reminder, I'm not diagnosing by this video, only speculating about what could be happening in a situation like this. First, I'll offer a brief background for this case, move to the summary of the testimony, then offer my analysis. In December of 2018, an op-ed written by the actress Amber Heard was published in the Washington Post. Without naming her ex-husband Johnny Depp specifically, she implied that he mistreated her during the time they were together. Johnny Depp sued her for defamation, and Amber Heard countersued him. The trial began in April of 2022 in Virginia. On day nine of the trial, which was April 26, an expert witness named Dr. Shannon Curry testified. She was a witness for the plaintiff, so she was hired by Johnny Depp's attorneys. Dr. Curry is a doctoral-level psychotherapist. Specifically, she has a PsyD, which is similar to a PhD, except without the emphasis on research. This doesn't mean that a PsyD cannot conduct research. Rather, it just means that it's not a research degree. It's a practitioner degree as opposed to a scientist practitioner degree. Practitioners with a PsyD often focus on providing direct therapy services to clients. Now moving to my summary of Dr. Curry's testimony. Some of the items in this summary are out of order, and I have paraphrased much of this. Under direct examination, Dr. Curry covered her experience and credentials. She appears to have a particular interest in PTSD and working with people who have served in the military. She talked about how she met with Amber two times in December of 2021 for a total of about 15 hours. During this time, she assessed Amber using multiple instruments and a clinical interview. In addition, Dr. Curry reviewed the records produced by other psychotherapists who had treated Amber. Dr. Curry emphasized that her clinical opinion was generated from combining multiple sources. She spent some time specifically talking about the MMPI-2. This is the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory version 2. It is a self-report psychometric test, which is used to identify mental disorders and personality traits. Dr. Curry talked about the MMPI validity scales, which, in theory, 
are capable of detecting when the test taker is distorting their responses. So the person might be trying to make themselves appear more ill or less ill. They may be randomly responding. There are a number of ways they could distort responses. Dr. Curry said that she diagnosed Amber with borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. From this point forward, I'll refer to these disorders as BPD and HPD. She then talked about the personality traits of Amber Heard in more detail. Here are a few examples. Amber has a sophisticated way of minimizing personal problems. She externalizes blame and lacks insight. She has inner hostility. She is self-centered, passive-aggressive, and manipulative. Amber is self-righteous with a tendency to deny being self-righteous. She admits to faults that are not that serious. She pretends to be non-judgmental and accepting, but is actually full of rage. And she requires attention, acceptance, and approval. Dr. Curry specifically discussed PTSD, partially based on the results of an instrument called the Clinician Administered PTSD Scale 5. She said that Amber does not have post-traumatic stress disorder. Amber initially endorsed 19 of 20 symptoms of PTSD, but Dr. Curry believes that Amber only has three genuine symptoms. Under cross-examination, Amber's defense attorney spent a lot of time asking Dr. Curry if she recalled testimony made by other mental health professionals. Other clinicians believe that Amber was telling the truth and that she was a victim. One clinician believed Johnny Depp initiated the violence. I think Amber's attorney did this just so the jury could hear how other professionals disagreed with Dr. Curry's assessment. There was this insinuation made by Amber's attorney that Johnny Depp's attorneys knew in advance what conclusions Dr. Curry would reach in her assessment. Apparently, Johnny's attorneys had filed documents predicting that borderline would be mentioned. Dr. Curry explained that she didn't think it was important to mention in her assessment that she met with Johnny Depp and his attorneys at his residence. Dinner was served, and after dinner, alcohol was consumed. Amber's defense attorney asked Dr. Curry to confirm that no score on the scales was greater than 65. The attorney was almost certainly referring to a T-score. This is a standard score used on many instruments, including the MMPI. It has a mean of 50 and a standard deviation of 10. Dr. Curry really didn't answer the question. She referred the attorney to her report. On redirect, Dr. Curry talked more about how Amber exaggerated PTSD symptoms. Now moving to my analysis. I will start with a brief description of BPD and HPD, then move to my thoughts on a few items in this case. I have many videos about these two cluster B personality disorders where I go into great detail. BPD is a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships. It is characterized by symptoms like frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, a love-hate relational style, impulsivity, emotional instability, feelings of emptiness, intense anger, and paranoia. As far as the five-factor model, it's associated with a high level of openness to experience, low conscientiousness, high extroversion, low agreeableness, and high neuroticism. As a diagnostic category, BPD does not hold together very well. There are 256 combinations of symptoms that can lead to a diagnosis. Two people could have BPD and share only one symptom. Many researchers believe it is inaccurate to conceptualize borderline as one disorder. It may actually be a version of vulnerable narcissism. 
HPD is a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention-seeking. Here we see items like needing to be the center of attention, being provocative, suggestible, and theatrical, having shallow emotions that shift rapidly, and evaluating relationships as more intimate than they really are. HPD is associated with playing the victim in a romantic relationship, excitement-seeking, and the fading of initial enthusiasm. Like somebody starts a project and they're excited about it, but then they get bored quickly. It has the same five-factor model profile as BPD, with the exception of two facets on the agreeableness trait. With HPD, scores on the facets of trust and altruism would be high, whereas on BPD they would be low. HPD is also controversial as a classification. Many researchers believe it's actually a version of BPD or narcissistic personality disorder. Here are my thoughts on a few items that stood out to me from the testimony of Dr. Curry. Item number one, there was a lot of emphasis placed on the reliability and validity of the MMPI-2 as well as the results from that test. The MMPI-2 is not the most recent version of the MMPI. The MMPI-3 was released in December of 2020, a year before the assessment was performed. I released a video on the MMPI in January of 2020, which includes, among other items, the history of the test, an analysis of the validity scales, and my criticisms of the instrument. The MMPI is generally considered to be a reliable and valid instrument. That is, the measure is consistent and accurate. However, in reference to Dr. Curry's testimony, there are three important points about the MMPI that I want to mention. One, the validity scales of the instrument, especially the faking bad scale, are not as valid as the clinical scales. This issue is actually hotly debated in the research literature, with some researchers going so far as to say the faking bad scale in its entirety is nonsensical. The MMPI is not a lie detector test. There is no such thing as a valid lie detector test. If somebody is trying to trick the MMPI, the accuracy of the results become compromised. The test is most accurate when being used with people who are cooperating with the clinician, not hostile legal situations. Two, Amber's attorney asked a question which implied that no scale had a T-score greater than 65. This is a critical point. Generally, a scale on the MMPI is considered clinically significant and open to interpretation by the therapist when the score is lower than 50 or higher than 65. So 50 to 65 is the normal range on the test. I don't recall anybody talking about scores under 50, but if Amber did not score anything above 65 on any scale, that really creates doubt as to the importance of the results. Was her profile actually just normal. Everybody who takes the MMPI scores something. Not every profile is indicative of personality pathology. Well, welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. 
We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Moving to the third consideration, the validity of the instrument must be considered in relation to other instruments. No mental health assessment is anywhere close to being perfectly valid. It's nothing like instruments designed to measure weight, air pressure, or velocity. Human behavior is far too complex to be measured with tremendous confidence. Here's an analogy I like to use when considering how valid a mental health assessment is. Imagine a person entering a prison as a nonviolent offender. They are concerned about being put in a cell with somebody who is violent. As they're walking to the cell, the prison guard tells them, don't worry, your cellmate is the safest prisoner here. When the person gets to their cell, they realize that their cellmate has a long history of punching and kicking people. The new prisoner complains to the guard the next time he sees him. I thought you said this was the safest inmate in the prison. The guard responds, he is. Everyone else here committed murder. My point here is that the best mental health assessment is still less than ideal. Even the most advanced tests leave a lot to be desired. There is no substitute for clinical skill. This brings me to item number two. There is the sense that Dr. Curry attempted to deify the mental health assessments she administered, including the MMPI. She tried to elevate them to a grand status, perhaps as a way of defeating any counter-arguments, almost like she was saying, the test said this, and the test must be right. I think it would have been better to emphasize clinical judgment and simply align behaviors with the symptom criteria of the disorders. Making a diagnosis is complex, but the mechanism can be explained in a straightforward way. Did Amber Heard endorse five or more of the nine symptoms for BPD? Did she endorse five or more of the eight symptoms of HPD? If so, which symptoms did she endorse? Were there other disorders that should be considered based on her symptoms? I find it odd that this type of description was never introduced. Item number three. Dr. Curry's diagnosis was BPD and HPD. Both of these disorders, but especially BPD, have a high level of comorbidity with other mental disorders. Meaning, if somebody has one of these disorders, they are at an increased risk to have other specific disorders. For example, BPD is associated with higher rates of substance use disorders, major mood disorders, anxiety disorders, ADHD, and PTSD. HPD is associated with higher rates of other personality disorders, as well as somatic symptom disorder and major depressive disorder. In light of this, it's unusual to see a presentation that involves BPD, HPD, and no other mental disorder. What's more surprising is that PTSD specifically would be excluded, which is what Dr. Curry said. 
Amber doesn't have PTSD. This brings me to item number four, considering the specific diagnostic profile of BPD, HPD, and no PTSD. My concern here is that this seems to be a little too perfect considering Dr. Curry's function in the trial. She gets hired by Johnny Depp's attorneys and then just happens to find that Amber Heard has this unusual presentation. Not only is this presentation out of the ordinary, it just happens to be a presentation that would not be considered favorable by the public. Here's what I mean by this. Unfortunately, some mental disorders have taken on strange properties as far as public opinion. For example, some people want to be diagnosed with PTSD even when they have not experienced trauma. PTSD is a disorder which attracts sympathy, and some people want sympathy. Personality disorders, especially from cluster B, are particularly frowned upon. They attract contempt, as if the person who has antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, or histrionic personality disorder is somehow bad, like they chose to have this maladaptive personality pattern. With this in mind, the profile of BPD and HPD, in the absence of PTSD, would be a profile consistent with being disliked and having no mitigating circumstances. My point with this item is that I wonder if bias played a role in this diagnosis. This brings me to item number five. In a good number of cases that I have made videos about over the years, expert mental health witnesses testify in opposing ways. For example, witnesses for the prosecution will say the defendant has antisocial personality disorder, and the witness for the defense will say the defendant has schizophrenia. They're suffering from psychosis. They were broken from reality and didn't really know what they were doing. Two completely separate disorders, but each witness is positive that they are correct. Their diagnostic profile is accurate. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard case is not criminal, but the same bias can apply as far as witnesses. I've talked a few times in other videos about the dangerous intersection of mental health and the law. Testimony from mental health professionals is necessary in many trials, but at the same time, shockingly unhelpful. It exposes how imprecise mental health assessment is and how no one is immune from being biased, not even psychotherapists who typically pride themselves in being objective. The mental health counseling field is much better at treating people than it is at settling legal disputes. Item number six, during Dr. Curry's testimony, we see this emphasis on how the instruments are correct because they have been researched with norm groups. For example, a particular combination of responses may appear in other people with BPD or HPD or may not appear in people with PTSD. I have to wonder about these norm groups. Did they comprise multimillionaire actresses who were married to Hollywood royalty? I think one could make an argument that Amber Heard has had an atypical career, which is underrepresented in the norm groups. I think it makes sense for an actress to desire to be the center of attention and to form shallow relationships. Shallowness is to Hollywood as gasoline is to a car, except Hollywood doesn't have any alternative fuel options. Now moving to the final item, number seven. Despite all my concerns about the assessment and potential bias, the testimony of Dr. Curry is important in this case. Specifically, it's devastating to Amber Heard. I think Dr. Curry's testimony is going to help the jury match Amber's behavior in Johnny Depp's narrative to her personality. Essentially, 
the assessment supports Johnny's version of events. It's going to help the jury believe that Amber initiated the violence. She was being dramatic. She falsely accused him. She did not allow Johnny to retreat during arguments. And she wrote the op-ed to get revenge. If Dr. Curry's diagnosis is correct, the relationship between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard was probably in trouble from the beginning. I think one lesson that can be learned here would be to spend a long time getting to know a romantic partner before making a big commitment. Personality pathology is much easier to detect over an extended duration, which would at least permit both parties to make an informed decision about the future of the relationship. If they envision it ending up in a $100 million defamation trial, they may want to consider going their separate ways. Sometimes a relationship that promises to be as magical as Alice in Wonderland can become as frightening as a nightmare on Elm Street. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.